Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Dental Assistant Nation podcast powered by Ignite DA. My name is Kevin Henry. I am the co-founder of Ignite DA. As always, so glad you've joined us. This is going to be a really interesting conversation because there's a lot swirling around in the news right now with kids getting ready to go back to school, monkeypox. There's a lot going on. And when we have things like that that involve infection control, prevention, Who better to bring in than our dear friend and one of the experts out there, and that is Mary Gavoni. Mary, how are you, my friend? I'm great. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for the opportunity to help clear up some misunderstandings about all the things that are swirling around out there. You you know, I've got to tell our, our listeners that Mary reached out to me and said, this is stuff that your listeners need to know. So thank you for staying on top of it, and thank you for poking me and saying, Hey, we need to get on this. So let's let's start with something that's very timely. Uh, and I know you told me that you're hearing a lot of questions about CDC guidelines and how those impact schools and kids going back to school. So what do we need to know about that? Well, what we need to know is that the CDC loosened up some of the guidelines for kids going back to school, like the six foot social distancing, and more importantly, not requiring anyone to isolate if they've been exposed to COVID. They simply wear a mask, but they can stay in school um, based on where we are in the pandemic. And so what I'm hearing as a result of that, where it's just, it's being reported in the media that, you know, the CDC has loosened all these guidelines. Sometimes they say it's because of school, sometimes they say it's just been loosened. And so people assume that that means for dental practices or other healthcare facilities as well. And it does not. And I know and you and I have said this before so many times, Kevin, I, I know people are tired of the pandemic. I know they're tired of masking. They're tired of screening patients. We all are tired of this. But if you look at the guidance that was just put out uh, last week by the CDC. And by the way, I'll make these links available in the resources on my website so we can talk about that at the end. But if you look at the guidance document, you have to go all the way literally to the last couple of sentences. And what it says is, this updated guidance is intended to apply to community settings. In the coming weeks, CDC will work to align standalone guidance documents such as those for healthcare settings, congregate settings at higher risk of transmission and travel. So they're going to try to align these these documents but but if a healthcare worker for example one of the members of the dental team was exposed to covid they need to isolate and they need to test. They need to follow the the guidance that's been in place since February, um, no matter how tired you are of it, you can't let your guard down at this point. Healthcare settings are different than a school setting because we create these aerosols, because we're in such close contact with our patients. So patients should even still be wearing masks when they come into the facility, even though they don't want to and they say, oh, I don't have to do it in public. They still do in a healthcare setting. And I'm glad you brought that up because I've heard, and, and before you and I even talked, I've heard from a couple of dental assistants over the last couple of weeks saying that they've had altercations with patients as they're trying to make sure when they walk in, the mask is on. And then, of course, the patient says, well, I don't have to have it on in the operatory. Why do I have to have it in the waiting room? And, and granted, like you said, we're all tired of this. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt about it. But yet COVID is still 
part of our society and is going to be, you know, and so I think we've got to figure out the best way to protect ourselves at all times at all possible. And we do. And, and the real concern is that the Omicron variant, which is the one that is circulating now, is so much more transistent transmissible than any of the previous ones. And so much so that it can overwhelm the immune system of someone who's been vaccinated because the viral load is so high. And that's why people are getting it again and again, and vaccinated people are getting it. We just heard on the news today that the first lady has COVID. And so I think the president's family was all on vacation together last week. So I'm guessing there may be some other family members that are going to be positive as well. So um, it's just so easy to transmit. And it's one thing if you're in a family setting, it's a whole other ball game if you're in a healthcare facility where you could be infectious to other people or those patients can be infectious to other patients and to us. Yeah, and and I'm so glad that you brought this up, and and I want to focus just for a minute on those pediatric practices because we know that these kids are going to school. There's going to be a lot of the congregating there, and as you just said, they don't have to wear a mask unless they've been diagnosed and they're supposed to wear the mask. But is that something that if you're in a pediatric practice right now, you really have to up your game as far as staying as safe as possible? Well, yeah. Um, upping the game should mean that you continue the practices that you should have been doing. True. But the absolutely in the pediatric practices, they still need to be screening, asking the parents, uh, you know, if there's any symptoms. And I know a lot of people have stopped doing it, but I have recommended all along that we still take temperatures because oh, yeah. there may not be any coughing or um, other kind of respiratory symptoms, but uh, sometimes the temperature and elevated temperature is the only differentiating factor, the only way to know. So yeah, the pediatric practices need to be, and I would say ortho too, um, because True. the majority of the patients are, are younger, but everyone across the board still needs to be screening patients for now. Now, maybe in the next couple of weeks, we'll be back here again saying, hey, the CDC changed the guidelines for healthcare facilities, but it hasn't happened yet. And, and I think it's really interesting because we, you and I have talked so much since this pandemic started about CDC guidelines and how they're changing. And I know they're trying to evolve as well and protect as many as they can while figuring out how school and church is different than a dental practice and making sure that everybody's up to speed on that. Yeah, so absolutely thankful for people like you who, who can differentiate and make sure that that word gets out there. Oh, you know, and, and again, and you and I have had this conversation many times as well. People say, well, they're just guidelines they're just recommendations, but right. everyone listening should keep in mind that 40 out of the 50 states plus the territory of Puerto Rico say that CDC guidelines must be followed according to the dental rules. So they are required. If your state says you must follow CDC guidelines, then you need to do it. Otherwise, there could be action taken against someone's dental license if there was an outbreak of an infectious disease. So not a good And place. like Mary said, oh, oh I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. Not a, just not a good place to be. <laughs> no, it's not. You know, and, and like Mary said, she's going to make sure that the links are available on her website. We will link that in our show notes. 
Uh, also link it uh, in the article if you see this on the Ignite DDS and Ignite DA blog. Uh, we're going to make sure that you have access to that and can find it very easily. And I also but, have something else I'll share, Kevin, and it's uh, please. Um, it is a oh a, a list of talking points to explain to patients why do we still do this when you're hearing oh, all man. this other stuff out in the media and how to reassure patients that you know we're a healthcare facility, we follow this to keep everybody safe, and because nobody wants to have those altercations with patients. Nobody wants to, you know, be confronted by a Karen. Um, no. But we also are the ones that should be making the rules. It's our facility and we have to follow these public health rules. So um, we just need to be politely assertive with patients and not let, as I always say to the groups I lecture to, not let the inmates run the asylum. Absolutely. Wait, you can be uh, politically assertive? Is that what you are? Uh, politely what assertive. It? Politely assertive. I, I didn't know we could still do that in today's world. That's fantastic. So, well, some people can't. Uh, <laughs> well, let's, let's switch subject for just a minute to something else that's really in the news right now, and that's monkeypox. Yes. And, and I can tell you, um, I, I know of a practice in the Pacific Northwest that already had a team member uh, who called in because of monkeypox, and and it has created some some issues for that practice. So, what are you hearing about this, and what does our audience need to know? Well, our audience needs to know that there is a possibility they could be exposed to monkeypox during practice because of close contact with lesions. That um, one of the key signs of monkeypox is a rash, and the lesions in the rash um, kind of look like blisters or pimples. And so, having some kind of contact with them. Now, we are wearing gloves, but you never know when there might be a micro tear or a micro pore in your glove. So, you could be exposed. And the other thing is right now it's, it's, and there's been a lot of um, information about it on the news that um, it's kind of going back to the very beginning of um, HIV and AIDS, where it was considered to be a gay men's disease. And the, it seems that the population group right now, particularly in the U S happened to be men and the politically correct term is men who have sex with men. And it, they believe it's more because of physical contact that is happening, not necessarily that it's sexually transmitted. It's the physical, the touching, the kissing, um, those types of things. And so there's been a little stigma associated with it, which is unfortunate because it's not just that population group that's getting um, monkeypox. So symptoms of monkeypox besides the rash include fever, chills, swollen lymph nodes, um, exhaustion, more than just simple fatigue, exhaustion, muscle aches, backache, headache, and some respiratory symptoms. So all the more reason to be screening patients for respiratory symptoms. It may be COVID, it might be monkeypox, we don't know. So all the more reason again to step up the game and keep screening. I hope that once the pandemic is over, that we in dentistry have learned the lesson about the importance of really screening patients. That because we wear a face mask or a respirator and gloves and eye protection doesn't mean that we should be seeing the patients when they are sick. 
unless it's an absolute emergency, reschedule them for crying out loud if they do have respiratory symptoms because you don't necessarily know what it might be. So you, you mentioned rescheduling. That was one thing I was going to ask you because the, if you see the rash, if you see signs and that patient's already in there, is it something that you do some more deep diving into the health history before you treat that patient or you automatically reschedule them? What do you think is the best? Well, approach? with the CDC, that's a great question. The CDC recommends that if you see those symptoms that you don't treat them again, unless it would be uh, an emergency, they have a toothache that needs to be relieved and just do some palliative treatment, but that you refer them for a medical evaluation. You don't go ahead with, you know, their preventive care visit or do a crown prep or something that you maybe treat the immediate emergency, but then you refer them for medical evaluation um, to see whether they actually do have monkeypox or not. Okay. And, and I think that, again, dental assistance, so much of the health history, so much of that initial contact with the patient falls under your watch. So I'm going to say dental assistants really need to be on guard with their patients and you know, and, and don't take that health history lightly. I think that is really important now more than ever. Absolutely. And unfortunately, I, I think the dental assistants in their zeal to be safe and to make sure they're following guidelines meet with some resistance many times from their doctors that say, oh, we don't want that loss of production or we don't want to lose that patient sure. in the schedule. And, and they just need to, again, polite assertiveness and just say, but what about the risk if? something happens yeah. that it's it's just too much of a risk so we need to be diligent um and i would encourage all of the listeners to go regularly to the cdc website you can actually sign up for um, alerts there's an app you can install on your phone that you can track all these things that are going on so stay informed because that knowledge is power and if you have do have an employer or maybe a coworker who's given you some grief about oh you're overreacting then bring up that information from the CDC that hopefully yeah. backs you up and you know and you and I have talked a little bit about the rise of the infection control coordinator in the practice mm -hmm. is something like this does that fall under his or her jurisdiction uh, to kind of be that no, we really have to be following things. How how would that person respond? Absolutely. That if that person, and usually it does fall on the shoulders of the dental assistant, then yeah, that falls within their purview is to stay alert, um, make sure that you, you are following up with the most current information and making sure that you communicate that through to the team, whether it's in the morning huddle or um live see a lot of practices now that have a Facebook page just for the practice. And so they're posting things internally on their internal Facebook page, whatever it is, and also helping the patients understand that you stay on top of all that information to make sure that their environment for their oral health care is as safe as it can possibly be. And, and I love that right there because we've, we've talked so much about during the pandemic, how Dentistry missed a little bit of a chance to talk about how they're keeping patients safe and how they're keeping team members safe. But I don't think it's too late to start that message, especially 
with monkeypox uh, now in in the news and people having so many questions about it. It's never too late to reassure those patients. You know, we saw so much of it um, in the early days of, of HIV when patients were so hesitant. And then when we had the transmission of HIV to the patients in Florida from the dentist in Florida, people really freaked out. And there were, you know, it was on the in 60 Minutes and 2020 and, and all these reports that just completely freaked patients out. And we did a good job, I think, then of explaining what we did and why we did things. And it sort of calmed those fears down. But um, they seem to keep rearing their ugly heads. And, and I think we now have a higher level of awareness of just how vulnerable we might be to some rare diseases like monkeypox or emerging um, infectious diseases like um, SARS-CoV-2 or COVID, that we have to stay alert. We got a little complacent, you know, set in our ways after HIV AIDS and yep. dealing with hepatitis B and hepatitis C. Um, but there's just, you know, over the horizon, there's something else looming out there, no doubt that we have to be careful for. And, and I think that what's coming next is why I am so thankful for people like you. I'm thankful for organizations like OSAP.org that is such a, a valuable resource. And I encourage every dental assistant or professional listening to this podcast, please check out OSAP.org. It's something that's very near and dear to both Mary and myself. And that is infection control information specific for the dental industry. And so it's, it's such a wise investment to be a part of that. Absolutely. Um, and, and Mary, I want to make sure, because we mentioned your website a couple of times that you're going to have some resources up there. And by the way, that conversations one, I'm going to download that because I think that is a fantastic resource to have, uh, maybe even at the grocery store sometimes. Uh, but but uh, what? Uh, please give them how they get a hold of you or uh, and visit your website. Absolutely, as well. my website is www.marygavoni. Last name is spelled G-O-V-O-N-I dot com. And if you click on the resources tab, that's where that information will be. And as Kevin said, he will have it um, linked as well. And so I have actually a poster that the World Health Organization has put together that you can download about um, wearing masks and why we wear them in the facility and then the talking points. And I will um, link the current guidance that we have from the CDC. And just keep in mind that, um, you know, we're recording this on the, what day is today? 16th. Uh, yep, <laughs> Look yep. at the calendar. Uh, the 16th <laughs> of July. Um, and so it's current as of today, but tomorrow yep. those updates could happen. So um, make sure that you check back all the time. And one last thing we want to mention too, yeah. and some of you have probably heard this on the news, that um, there is a concern also that we be up to date on polio vaccines. The oh, yes. um, one, one way that we have found, we meaning public health officials, have found um, that is an indicator of what kind of infectious diseases may be circulating is in wastewater. And that's what's happened in New York City, that in the wastewater in New York City, there has been um, a relatively high amount of polio virus detected. So the recommendation from the CDC is that everyone make sure that they are up to date on that polio virus, because that can cause some really um, serious effects. And some symptoms of polio are sore throat, 
fever, tiredness, nausea, headache, and stomach pain, and more kind of like they call them flu-like symptoms. But one of the the um, consequences of a polio infection um, more serious is developing meningitis, which can be fatal, and also paralysis. Now, some of our listeners may not be old enough to rec- to remember the polio outbreak that happened in the 40s and 50s where you know many people did become um, paralyzed. And so this is a very serious infection and um, best thing you can do is make sure that you Sorry, talk to your you talk to your physician about Siri just won't shut up. Siri's trying to help. She's trying to get in on the polio talk. She's trying to rescue us from polio virus. Make sure sure that you talk to your physician and and determine if you are um, if you have been vaccinated and make sure that you don't need a polio booster, depending on what age you're you're at, you may still need a booster. So it's kind of like, you know, every time I hear this, I'm like, okay, what's next? We've had everything now except locusts and and a major plague happened (laughs) in the last three years. So. Yeah, oh the, when the blood, uh, when the rivers turn to blood, I'm going to start getting a little nervous yes. here at this point, yes. for sure. So, uh, but no, I I so appreciate you mentioning that as well because a lot of our listeners, let's be honest, they might be, and I know it's hard to believe, a little younger than me and you, and so you know they may not have the recollection of what a horrible thing that polio is. So uh, I, I I shudder to think we're actually talking about that, but I'm really glad that you brought that up as well. Uh, well, Mary, and, and can I put in one more plug real quick before we go? Because you and so many uh, amazing ladies have the Compliance Divas podcast. Yes. And and I want to make sure that people know about that because that's something that I, I have seen grow and, and it's such a great resource. If, if you love the infection control information stuff, this is a podcast you're definitely going to want to add to your playlist. Thanks, Kevin. And you've been instrumental in helping us to grow. So you can go to thecompliancedivas.com or to your um, podcast app that you use. We're on most of the podcast apps. And um, we do a weekly podcast, myself, Leslie Canham, Olivia Wan, and Linda Harvey. And we try to bring all of our varying expertise to the um, to the podcast to kind of give you some good information about infection control OSHA and HIPAA compliance anything regulatory. That's so great, and it's such a great resource. So yeah, please check out the Compliance Divas absolutely because uh, you all are spreading such great true information out there. And so thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, and and thanks to all of you for listening to this episode. Hey, this was a little bit longer one, but you know what? There's a lot going on right now that impacts not only your patients, but you as well. Your health, your dental practice, your livelihood, your family. We bring in experts to tell you what you really need to know. So please check out CDC guidelines. Please check out OSAP.org. Make sure that you're getting the right information from the right people. And we'll be back next time with another episode of the Dental Assisting Nation podcast powered by IDA. But until next time, it's Kevin Henry signing off and as always reminding you that together we rise.